Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. From Mamma Mia, welcome to Help I Have a Teenager, the podcast that's here to answer all your questions about the new teen age. My name is Jo Lamble. I'm a clinical psychologist and a mum, and I'm passionate about supporting teens and their parents. That's why I co-wrote The New Teen Age, how to support today's tweens and teens to become happy, healthy adults. And my name is Dr Ginny Mansberg. I'm Jo's co-author of The New Teen Age. I'm also a GP and I'm a mum, and we've got six kids in our blended family. Now, Jo... Since we last caught up, congratulations. You have now gained a family member. I have. I've got a son-in-law, Ginny. Yes, Aww. my gorgeous little girl. She got married at home. It was so beautiful in a really small, just extended family and a few close friends. It was so beautiful. When they first suggested, hey, let's just get married at home, I went, oh, dear, at our house. But it went so well. So, yeah, I'm still buzzing as a result of that. Oh, so beautiful. I'm so excited for you. And my son got engaged. That's so three I've- weddings, Ginny. Three weddings in three years. So (laughs) Jade got married last year. Dave gets married in a few months. And now Sam, my eldest, the 30-year-old, is getting married. So he's contributed another child. So I've gained a new daughter. I've got beautiful (laughs) Sydney coming in. So we just went to New York, had my son's graduation from his MBA and met his future in-laws and my other son's future in-laws. It was amazing. And they'd love you. I mean, what a beautiful mother-in-law you'd be. Right back at you, love. Yes, we are. Just each other's (laughs) greatest fans. Exactly right. Now, Joe, we've got two questions today from parents who are stuck on the best ways to handle some pretty classic dilemmas. That's right. Now, our first one is from our anonymous form and the person writes, Hi, ladies. Thank you so much for your podcast. It has kept me sane through many situations and I feel my relationship with my son has improved since listening. Isn't that great to hear? I'm writing because my nearly 16-year-old wants to drop out of school. He has never really liked school, but now he's saying he hates it and just wants to work. To my knowledge, there are no bullying issues. He has a girlfriend and a best friend. I'm in the process of working with the school to find other options, but he is failing both maths and English and just doesn't care. I can empathise with him. I didn't like school, but I'm trying so hard to help him understand that leaving school now will give him no options when he's older. He just can't see the big picture. All I'm asking him is to finish year 10, but I don't know if I can get him through the next six months. I know he has to find his own path and make his own mistakes, but I'm so scared that this will ruin his future. Please help. Any advice would be appreciated. Oh, honey, to the beautiful parent who wrote in, this is exactly where I was at, I think, in 2014, I think, something like that. My beautiful Jade, who is now 26, 
really hated school. It wasn't for her. She absolutely did not want to continue. And I had your fears. What is going to be in your future if you don't continue school? Also in our family, I'd gone to university, her brothers went to university, her dad, her grandparents all went to university. We were so stuck in that is the way forward for your future and for your happiness. I was really full of fear and now I do have a bit of regret and a bit of guilt about it because she's ended up working as a YouTuber. She has an amazing YouTube channel. But she's also in customer service for Evident Skincare, my business. And neither of those things require an ATAR, neither of those things required university. And it was just an extra two years where she felt like a failure instead of getting on and doing what she wanted to do and feeling good about herself. So I feel terrible about it, but I can also relate to the fact that we are parents, we just want our kids to be okay. And I'm wondering, you say you've already gone and spoken to the school and explored other options. That's my big guilt is that I didn't explore any non-ATAR options for her. Jo, what are your thoughts with this sort of thing? Yeah, it can be so hard, can't it? You've experienced it, Ginny, but to try and force a child to keep going to school when they hate it. And so one thing is maybe talk to the school about, you know, would it help to change subjects? Yes, he has to keep English, obviously, but doesn't have to keep up maths. But is it worth looking at other schools? They have some vocational subjects, so it doesn't have to be ATAR related. He doesn't have to get an ATAR. Could you also talk about school-based apprenticeships and traineeships? There are lots of options that kids can have. And if your son hears that you are listening to him, you see that he hates it, you're taking that into account, but your job as his parent, as his rock, is to help him explore all the options and to say, okay, let's spend the next six months just looking through the options for next year. Yeah, I think that really hits the right note between just going, oh, sure, whatever you want, which some kids then tell us later that they wish their parents had pushed them harder and you don't want to leave anything on the table and look back with regret. But at the same time, it's definitely telling him you are on his team, you are on his side, you are hearing what he has to say. You're hitting that really nice note where you're encouraging him to continue while we explore the other options, which does sound like you're doing anyway. Yeah, yeah. I just think a lot of people listening out there don't realise that there are more options. There I are these, Yeah, no, well, I don't know how many there were in our day, Ginny. Seriously, there seems to be more and more because your son's not alone here. Just traditional academic learning is not for all kids, especially the pressure these days, the pressure that, you know, to get a good ATAR and get into university. I mean, there is, I don't know what the stats are, but it's a really high dropout rate from uni. So there's a lot of kids who are accumulating hex debts for a career they're never going to have because they hate it. And if he did just change his mind and decide in five, ten years' time that actually I do wish I had got a degree, even without the school certificate, even without a matriculation, there are ways back. So I don't want you to think that this is the time of his life he's going to make this one decision that's going to determine everything for the rest of his life. There are so many ways to do this and there'll always be a way to get him to where he wants to be if that's what he decides later on. Yeah, that's right. And our job as parents are to show that we're the rock. We're still the adult when they're young because he is nearly 16. You do want to help him see the bigger picture in life, but that doesn't mean the bigger picture. You'll regret this forever. But, you know, sadly, there are many adults who wish their parents had not given in to them. Mm -hmm. And there are plenty of adults who think their parents, you know, should have gone the other way. So often we can't win, but if it's an informed group decision, you've got the best likelihood of less regrets. 
If you'd love unlimited access to everything women are talking about right now, subscribe to Mamma Mia. An annual Mamma Mia subscription includes online access to every Mamma Mia event, subscriber-exclusive stories, podcasts and videos from Australia's leading independent women's media brand. Jo, our next question is from Kelly, who's called in. Hi, Ginny and Jo. I've got a question about my teenagers, their devices, and how to get them back into the real world after COVID. So during the pandemic, my teenagers seemed to be constantly glued to their devices, whether it was gaming or Insta or Zooming or whatever with their friends. And now I don't know what to do. It's like technology is a big part of their generation, but it feels like they've taken it to this whole new level. And if I try and take it away from them, there is massive eye rolls, tantrums, I'm not talking to you, that's my thing, you can't take it away from me. How do I approach this conversation without causing any more major meltdowns or damaging my relationship with them? If you've been through this or something similar with your teenager or you have any advice, I'd love to hear it. Thanks. She's not alone, is she, Ginny? Lots to unpack in that. So I guess what I'm hearing as the questions are, you know, how much device use is okay, who really does own it? Like is Kelly the bad one for taking away devices to which they are entitled because it's theirs and how does she regulate all of this and have this conversation? So to unpack that, Joe, where would you start? Well, I would say firstly just remember that you're not alone because I think this, apart from the evil that is vaping, which is now gaining to me <laughs> tractions in causing more arguments, nothing would be causing more arguments in any household with an adolescent than screen time. COVID obviously didn't help. Their whole schooling and social life was done online. So it's really hard to then adjust again. As you say, lots to unpack. Firstly, I'd take into account a few things. Do any of your teenagers have any learning difficulties or neurodiversity or social anxiety? When Ginny and I were researching for the new teenage, we spoke to some experts who say there are some circumstances, such as a ADHD brain, which is actually really rewarded by being online and gaming. So that's when they often feel calm. And because they're able to think ahead and look at everything on the screen, that's when they feel like they're functioning at a really high level. And again, if they've got some social anxiety, they might find it easier to talk to their friends while they're gaming or while they're just chatting on Insta than face to face. So I think those sort of things do need to just be considered because it can't just be a blanket thing. Secondly, I think, again, it's an age-old thing. The more we say, get off your devices, the more they want to do it. Psychobabble alert. Psychobabble. Psychobabble. It is the dominant thought principle. All they hear is devices, devices. It just drives them to it. So we want to sort of lean towards come and do this rather than don't do that. Absolutely. Now let's talk about their phones that you are not allowed to take away from them. So I'm just going to ask you, Kelly, did they buy their own phones and do they pay the bills every month? In most households, it's the parents who have at least contributed 50% to the purchase of the phone and who pay the outgoings as part of a family contract, let's say. So to say that it's theirs is probably not correct. And the other thing is, is a phone something to which they're entitled? I would have thought that a phone is a privilege, an important one, and one that they might preference above access to tennis lessons or above access to movie time with a family or friends' play dates or going out to the movies with their friends. But it's a privilege that they have a right to earn, but not to which they're entitled. So when you take it away, 
the way it's being framed within your family is that you are the baddie removing something to which they're entitled in the same way that you'd be removing a salad from the dinner table. It's not the same thing. And I think you need to be really clear about that in your head and your family's values about what it is that they're entitled to and what it is they're entitled to earn. And earning might be when you say, enough's enough, guys, devices down, we're going to have dinner as a family, that they do that. The other thing I think is a good litmus test, Ginny, is to ask yourself, how much time do you think you'd be okay with them if they were reading a book? So if your child was one of those ones who always have their noses in the book, would you still be as incensed? Because, yes, you'd still want them off to close the book while they're at the dinner table. You'd still want them to, you know, close the book while you're having a conversation with them. You'd want them to have the sleep, the exercise, the fresh air, the time with friends. But would you be so outraged? Because we can't just, as we all know, it used to be the television was going to be the death of everything and then now it screens. But, again, you know, to me, if you let that, guide you what is reasonable time for them just to be doing whatever it is that they enjoy and they you know relax with then that can often be the best so hopefully kelly that's making sense we want your teens to have their buy in you need to just get clear in your head you know are they entitled to their phones and it's a punishment that you're taking things away and trying to put some rules around it or is it the other way around how can you work with them to get a good safe healthy level of device use how can you learn from them and get them to take you on a journey and explain why devices are so important to them. Yeah, and help them. If you come to them to say, I want to help you with this, we didn't have to deal with this. We didn't have to go through adolescence with all these devices to distract us. And so if they're aware that we're coming from a place of helping and for their benefit, hopefully a little more agreement is possible. But that's all we've got time for this week. If you have a question, email us at podcast at mamamia.com.au or you can use the anonymous form in our show notes. This episode is produced by Tali Blackman. I'm Joe Lamble. I'm Ginny Mansberg and we'll see you next week.